0: The Hello, and welcome to Episode 5 of Pendant six, Productions' Henry the Six Part 1. My name is Jeff Robinson, the director of this series, joined by our dramaturge for this production, Morgan Z. Sowell. Morgan, good to have you as always. Thanks for being with us. Howdy-ho, everybody. All right, and we are on to uh, Act 4, Scene 1 here of this production, split across uh, seven episodes. And um, let's see, so... Uh, henry the six is being formally crowned already um yeah interesting that it doesn't come until you know um what two-thirds of the way through the play he's sort of been acting king this time but now formally crowned is that right
1: that
0: is well now he's being crowned king of france is the uh-huh. kicker just to confuse things ah gotcha that's right that's right i think we discussed in a in a previous episode how um how uh how he's formally uh england and france which is why it's considered a uh, treason when france says nah, now nah, we're just gonna do our own thing
2: yes uh, then like many kings france is much fancier and more resource heavy than than uh england so all of them wanted france more despite being kings of england exactly
0: and now we are hearing uh, adam blanford as uh, lord talbot in this scene we've got uh Immelaine tuck as uh, king henry uh, Pete Lutz as uh, Gloucester, and uh, Sarah Palmero as Winchester. Uh, many, many more contributors as well. Um, but uh, Morgan, you and I were chatting about uh, Shakespeare's obsession with the name Falstaff slash Fast off slash, you know, lots of recycled oh, okay. names in these productions, so, huh?
2: Yeah, especially in the, okay, so in the Henrys, we have John Falstaff, uh-huh. who is the cowardly drunken knight who's friends with Henry V. So he's in Henry the Fourth and Henry the Fifth, and he's in his own play, "Mary Wives of Windsor. That's right, that's right. But this one, Henry the Sixth, has an unrelated John Fa- uh, Falstaff, who's also <laughs> a cowardly knight, who's only in one scene. I am, however, taking advantage of some variants in the original texts and causing our knight to be named John Fastolf, right? Just to maybe. Ameliorate some of the confusion because uh, it's quite a headache if you marathon these
0: things. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You lose track of who's who, but no uh, all all distinct characters. Although, is the is the Falstaff and Henry the Fourth and Mary Wines of Winster, He's supposed to technically be the same guy, right? Or he's the same or, character. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Legend has it uh, Queen Elizabeth liked the character so much
2: she asked for him to be in a romance
0: ah very interesting so he got which a, makes
2: the married wives of Windsor the first uh for the first franchise spinoff of elizabethan drama
0: exactly it was the uh the the marvel uh the marvel series of its era yes. <laughs> uh, so here the the drama really starts here um funny uh the uh the paper there that uh that uh Gloucester is shaking. I, I feel like I use that sound effect in probably every single episode of this series. It's a staple of all Shakespeare. A lot of, lot, lot of paper needs to be rustled. A lot of people reading and handing notes. Exactly. Yeah. And it's uh, probably something you hear in just about every episode of every audio drama out there. Gotta gotta make it clear. He's shaking the paper, even though in real life, you probably wouldn't go out of your way to shake a piece of paper as you read it.
2: <laughs> it's the classic uh, metal
0: metal on metal sound
2: that drawing a sword out of a leather sheath makes you just accept it <laughs> exactly got to take some creative liberties here was <laughs> uh, pointed out to me that the the crossbows when they point crossbows at shrek in the movie shrek uh for no reason they all make gun cocking sounds uh, good point. you just don't even notice you just know that there's a sound effect that means a gun's pointing at you and you just accept these things
0: right <laughs> So Emmeline Tuck again here as uh, Henry VI, a uh, great uh, great performer, really kind of uh, nails sort of his lack of uh, confidence, you know, not surprising, he's supposed to be what, 10, 12 years old, something like that? Something along those lines, Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, really sort of uh, nailing the uh, sort of apprehensive, kind of anxious nature, uh, realizing that he's stuck in the middle between uh, Gloucester and Winchester and all these warring factions that are surrounding him in his uh, royal court.
2: And, as far as he can tell, they're fighting over flowers, not, uh, not heredity. Right.
0: And <laughs> um, this goes back to the... Um, the sound effect, um, you know, that we introduced back in a previous episode, I think episode three, where we've got sort of one tone for the, the white flower side, the white rose side, and one tone for the, the red rose side, um, sort of worked out nicely. And so, sort of a recurring theme that we're able to subtly bring back in uh, to each of these episodes as as the various characters declare their allegiances.
2: Does, it does help keep it, keep it straight in audio
0: format. Great idea. And in defense of my lord's worthiness. I crave the of law so we've got and Vernon voice. and Bassett who are uh, going at it here,
2: huh? And
0: that is the voice of uh, V.C. Morrison as Vernon, uh, director um, or former director of uh, Pendon's uh, seminar now a writer for the show, writes all the rapper scenes, so... Great to have him involved in uh, this production as well. Longtime pendant contributor. And Russell Gold as Somerset, who you also heard as Pericles. And um, the shepherd in our recent production. In our most Uh, recent Grand Adventure, Exactly. Pericles, Prince of
1: Pyre. Uh Uh-huh. Let this dissension first be tried by fight. And, and Carson Campbell, uh, great, uh,
0: great performance here from from as well. Another to recurring pendant then. contributor
1: this here. It, Again,
2: much like Marvel movies, we're seeing the same actors.
1: And
0: exactly. Yeah, so I really did go, uh, one thing I'll observe as, as director is that I really did go much heavier on the music in this particular production than I did in either really Pericles or uh, Double Falsehood. And um, I just kind of find that it, you know, in the absence of sound effects, sometimes you'll have these long stretches where it's really much more dialogue driven, that you sort of need that music a little bit to raise the the interest and to, to capture sort of the, the mood of a particular scene. So, so, um, there you know, are like,
2: a lot of what are basically staff meetings that yeah. make up the bulk of this show <laughs> it's um, so true it's so true so yeah. the music definitely helps <laughs> helps carry what are would be powerpoints if this was set in modern times
0: Right. <laughs> That's a perfect way to think of it, yeah. <laughs> so luckily, yes, we have access to a large uh, volume of tunes from uh, Josh Mullen, the tune peddler who's uh, just a great artist um, and uh, whose work you can hear in, in many, many audio dramas and films even, I believe. Um, so adding that extra uh, layer of, you know, whether it's tension, whether it's a uh, comic relief, um really helping to set the tone of each each scene or with, some uh,
2: of our, or some of your recognizable motifs you put in so that we can recognize
0: certain places exactly yeah yeah and uh yep that's something we also do you know here is switching back and forth between england and france um you know england has its own sort of battle tune and france has it has has a different one uh, similar in some respects but um definitely unique and uh you know definitely helps center the listener and figure out you know where the heck are we at this point are we on the english side or the french side
1: mm-hmm.
2: and linguistically i think and we are cheating a little by having the, the french have the accents when they would all be they would all be of the same ethnic background uh right <laughs> the ruling classes of england and france but
0: <laughs> ah interesting observation. It, right. yeah, yeah. Definitely adds much more humor as well to, to yes, layer in those French accents.
1: <laughs> wears the badge of <laughs>
2: that was but his fancy. Blame him not. I dare presume, sweet Prince he thought no harm.
1: And if I wish he
0: did, Julia Eve as a Warwick, longtime pendant performer and for former credits announcer an as well, carrying the scene out. As we transition, and uh, Edward Herman here as Exeter, um, who seems to often be the last person in the room (laughs) throughout this play. He's like the person who like always gets left on stage as the other actors exit and makes some, you know, sort of pithy observation on the goings-on, sort of the yes, role Yes, he, can he
2: deliver that last rhyming couplet each time that tells us that a scene is
0: over. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting how Shakespeare picks particular characters to have that sort of recurring role throughout the play. Which is interesting, because if you were to describe the plot,
2: Exeter's not terribly important to just the pure plot, but he exactly. always gets these great
0: moments. He's, yep. uh, the, he's the ligament that's holding the show. Exactly. Yeah, it's true. And now we transition to uh, Bordeaux and back to uh, Lord Talbot. One thing I love about uh, Adam's performance and just uh, him as a voice actor generally is that, you know, he really leans into the shouting. Um, you know, a lot of voice actors, including me, you ask them to shout or scream, they'll kind of, you know, They'll get like 75 percent of the way there, but it's hard to, you know, record a scream. You know, when you live in a house with other people or you live in an apartment building, it's not the easiest thing to ask a voice actor to do. But Adam, oh man, he just leans into it. Like you give you want to scream from him, you will get a full throated scream every single time. Multiple takes of the line. Um, and even here, you know, you can tell he's leaning into it. He's shouting up to the general up on the wall um, and he really is shouting. Uh, So kudos to Adam for truly leading into that. Um, Again, I'm guilty of it myself. Like the line will say, shout and I just sort of like... Pretend like I'm shouting, but uh, I'm like, I don't want the neighbors to hear me. I don't want them to call the cops. <laughs> um, so He's supposed to get far from his microphone to do that. He. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that's a must. Because otherwise, ooh, you'll, just, you'll just blow out the microphone, blow out the listener's ears. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yes, kudos to Adam for giving giving it his all in every every single take. Um, and, you know, these some of these lines go on for two or three minutes. He'll do three takes every single time. So... Um, truly, uh, indicative of, of his overall commitment to this production. Here's uh, Walter Mack as the general again. Um, you know, appearing in every single episode so far in various roles, and uh, you know, just been lovely to have him as part of our cast and, um, taking, on and um, taking on every single role and creating a unique voice for all the characters that he's been called upon to play.
2: the General, he shows up. He's a one-shot. He gives incredibly important information, and then walks off. Yep.
0: (laughs) Yep. That's Shakespeare for you sometimes. Kudos to the cast, by the way, on uh, all the different pronunciations um, throughout this production. You know, uh, we include guides as best we can on how to pronounce each place name or character name or what have you. Um, but we can't catch them all. Um, you know, sometimes uh, there's just so much dense density in the text that you just can't catch every last one, and, um, you know, the cast has done a terrific job throughout uh, getting, getting that pronunciation just right, because, you know, you never want to be the one person who pronounces a word differently than the rest of the cast. Uh, it sort of takes you out of the moment uh, as a listener, so really appreciate the consistency and uh, in that uh, from our from our cast with all the different French towns and such.
2: England's right. I want to go and invade France right now that he gave that after that, that rallying speech from
0: Talbot there. I know, I know. Oh, man, what what a moment. Um, prosper our colors in this dangerous fight. Just, the hashtag nailed it.
1: The <laughs> dog is the army of the they all returned, my lord. And give it out that he is Martin
0: Maya Martin, Murphy as our messenger. And uh, I like how he sort of, uh, or Morgan, you chose to sort of consolidate all the... 500 different messengers in this production into just one. Less confusing for the listener. Good
2: choice. It creates, a little, it creates something of a little character. We get to recognize her voice. So here she comes again. Exactly.
0: More
1: no bad news.
2: Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'll say that actually comes from my, my first reading of. Uh, Arthur, the, the King Arthur text by William Mallory and ah, um, it has dwarves, lots and lots of dwarves <laughs> and at the, as, as, as a younger man I didn't realize they were all different dwarves I thought it was one character who kept
0: popping up <laughs> so I thought, hey we could do this with the messenger exactly, yeah, good choice Kirsty Woolven here as uh, Sir William Lucy, uh, being introduced for the first time, I believe, um, but playing an important role in this episode and uh, the next, at least uh, one or, or two episodes, uh, through the end of the end of the production
1: here. We're in Talbot's place. So should we save a valiant gentleman by forfeiting a traitor and a coward? Yeah,
2: Shakespeare has no uh, issue with what we would consider nowadays to be bad storytelling of just introducing someone out of nowhere who is right. now the most important character. Right. Oh, um, um, cool nowadays <laughs> we would go, well, that's that you should have set that up But no, no, Shakespeare uh, doesn't feel the need to. Yeah. Although he would also assume we'd, we'd be familiar with these people
0: from real life. That's uh, true. As right? the historical figures of, of, of living memory in some cases. That is a good point, and I, and I have to say, working on this production makes me um, really interested. At some point, to see an actual stage production of of uh, Henry the Sixth, Part One, or at least watch a movie, because you know there are so many moments, as you've noted in the script, where uh, you know one scene sort of like just goes into the next scene, where it's like you know you would think that Shakespeare would put a scene break in there or something like that, <laughs> but it's kind of confusing, like the abrupt changes of place. Uh, and character that we experience uh, throughout the play. I'd be very curious how the, how this looks on stage. Yeah, <laughs> not to mention all the battles. You know, uh, like do you have actors oh, yeah. just in the background the entire time, like bashing each other over the head, or do you just sort oh, and of the,
2: the, the turns and the ups and downs of of yep. battles? Fortune when the French are winning, the English win. The French have taken the town, and within three lines, the English have taken it back.
0: Yeah, yeah. Many of your notes in the the script I found very very useful because I was like oh, I wouldn't have picked up on that myself if, if you hadn't called it out.
2: I think I think following the battles in in Henry the Sixth here is probably harder than when you try to follow what various twins are doing and people in each other's clothes in the Shakespeare comedies. Right. <laughs> There's so many ups and downs and twists and turns. That's true.
0: It is too late. I cannot send them now. This expedition was by York and Talbot too rashly plotted. All and now, Sir William Sully Lucy pops Talbot. up, but with Somerset rather than York. Talbot hath sullied all his gloss of former honour by this unheedful, desperate, wild adventure. York set him on to fight and die in shame. The Talbot dead great York might bear the name.
1: Here is Sir William Lucy.
0: Who with me gotta get those footsteps right. So many footsteps. Oh, nice. oh man, I, I honestly have to admit it's, it's uh, as a director, one of the most tedious things I find to do. Like, just getting the footsteps right, thinking about whether they're walking on grass or stone or dirt or what have you. And, you know, if it's uh, multiple characters entering at the same time, all the more complicated. I always try to think is how
2: rarely can we use footsteps. Right. <laughs> because it, I think it, just becomes, it becomes tedious to hear them, too, unless you it need does. to establish that someone's walking in right now.
0: It does, yeah. And there have been many times where I've deliberately said, eh, you know, I'm just going to I'm just going to not do them here. Like, it just isn't necessary for one reason or another. Um, but like yeah, you and, said. And it works. It yep. works. We just accept someone is, has arrived. Yep. Yep. But, yeah, it, sometimes you really just do need to establish so-and-so is walking into the room. They weren't there before. Um, you know they're coming in the middle of the scene, uh, what have you? So, uh, necessary evil, you might call it. Yes, I, I think we've done a good job of paring it down because
2: there are many, many interests and actions.
0: Yeah. He might have sent. And of course, when you have somebody running in a scene too, it adds you know some action to it as well. Oh, of course. The Ford of England, not the force of France, hath now entrapped the noble-minded Talbot. Never to England shall he bear his life. Betrayed to fortune by your it's really interesting how Shakespeare, you know, transitions so often between, um, you know, rhyming versus not rhyming, or blank verse versus, you know, iambic pentameter. Um, I'm sure the many studies have been done around, you know his deliberate choices to do that and and such but uh yeah it all that all goes above my head for sure
2: <laughs> oh, One of the, the simpler rules is that is that iambic pentameter is for higher class people but even ah. that rule doesn't always apply like in, in this show it skips back and forth quite a bit
0: yep
1: pete lutz is <laughs> lord protector gloucester sarah palmero is cardinal winchester juliet angeli is Fasto. Adam all
0: right, Adam Blanford carrying us out as the credits announcer. Thanks to all for uh, joining us for episode five. And uh, we've got two more to go in the next two months. So uh, really, really looking forward to bringing those to you uh, in the coming weeks and months here. I'm very excited to find out this wins. Exactly. <laughs> Can't look that up on Wikipedia. No. <laughs> But uh, we appreciate you joining us for uh, this seven-part series and uh, really look forward to wrapping this up pretty soon. So talk to you in one month.